Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. I am Audrey Rinlesbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. Little update for you. First of all, you've probably heard we moved the Mothers of Vision MDM celebration event online. It's still September 12th. We are getting close to capping out that first day and we've added a second day. Um, for those who still have not signed up, that will be September 26th. And so you can still take advantage of signing up. I'm gonna talk to you today about some of the things that I've learned in the extensive study that I've done to prepare the content, a lot of it is is information that I have lived and understood for many, many years. And at the event, I'm gonna give you a lot of personal examples of things that I've done in my life to live these principles. But there are some additional things that I've uncovered in the last uh, few months or year that I wanna teach you that are gonna make it even easier to get clarity and even easier to apply actions into your daily life that will make that a reality. So I'm super excited. So that's moved online. We got the book cover for the Mission Driven Life book, and we did get the sample copy back. And we are doing one last edit on that, and then we will start the print and the shipping and the distribution. And so we were gonna, we're gonna have a big launch day, and we'll notify you of when that will be. I'm hoping September 1st, I'm not sure we'll make it, but it's coming up. And we may also make it an option to pre-purchase. I'm still not sure if that's gonna work out or not, but we'll let you know. Otherwise, those who have been asking, yes, the book is coming. (laughs) And it's better than it's ever been, and we've added some new things, so I am super excited about it. All right, I wanna start today by talking about Viktor Frankl. You've probably heard of him, or maybe you haven't. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning that sold several million copies. And he came up with a psychotherapeutic model called logotherapy. I've been wanting to do a mission-driven life on him. I just haven't kind of gotten to it, I guess. But he's a phenomenal man, and he was a psychologist. I'm not sure if he was a psychiatrist, actually but at least a psychologist before World War II. He was a little younger. I don't think he had any children yet, but he was married and he and his wife were arrested. He found out after the war that his wife was killed pretty early on in the war, but he spent, I think at least a couple years in a concentration camp. I'm not sure exactly how long it was. And he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning. He actually wrote it in just a few days to catalog some of the things that he had learned in the concentration camp and how they informed this new psychological approach in his therapy that he used called logotherapy, which means meaning therapy. And that's why his book is called Man's Search for Meaning because his objective in working with people who were struggling with depression, anxiety, you know, suicidal thoughts, those kinds of things, he found that if he helped them go on a hunt to find new meaning and purpose in life, 
that it would help turn things around for them psychologically, that this is something that we desperately need as human beings is to know what, what we're here to do to have purpose and meaning in our lives. And that purpose and meaning, as he states in the introduction, goes beyond ourselves. When we get wrapped up in goals and plans that just bless ourselves, it doesn't have the same power to bring us joy and fulfillment. So I'm going to read you this selection from this book about his experience with the power of vision and envisioning. And that's some of what we're going to cover the first part of the day is the practicalities. I'll give you a little rundown a little later on in the podcast, but I want to tell you this. It's so, so incredible. He says, now he's talking to his fellow psychologists after the war. When he says this first sentence, he says, any attempt at fighting the camp's psychopathological influence on the prisoner by psychotherapeutic or psychohygienic methods had to aim at giving him inner strength by pointing out to him a future goal to which he could look forward. Okay, so this is part of his logotherapy and he's informing other individuals that what really worked, what really helped was helping them find this meaning even in suffering And it was always something in the future that they could look forward to and plan for and work toward. Instinctively, some of the prisoners attempted to find one on their own. It is peculiar of humankind that they can only live by looking to the future. And this is man's salvation in the most difficult moments of his existence, although he sometimes has to force his mind to the task I remember a personal experience. So he's talked about how important it is that we have some kind of vision of our future, that we are intentional and working towards something. And in his case, it's so important to grasp the the magnitude of what he's saying here, because the worse your circumstances, the more important it is. When you're feeling comfortable and you're engaging in lots of pleasures, then It's a little easier maybe to enjoy the moment and to not think about the future, but the worse your circumstances are, the harder life is for you currently, the more critical it is for you to have a vision of your future, of something meaningful you are preparing to execute that will make a difference for others. Absolutely critical. So he's going to, he tells this personal experience. Almost in tears from pain. I had terrible sores on my feet from wearing torn shoes. I limped a few kilometers with our long column of men from the camp to our work site. Very cold, bitter winds struck us. I kept thinking of the endless little problems of our miserable life. What would there be to eat tonight? If a piece of sausage came as extra ration, should I exchange it for a piece of bread? Should I trade my last cigarette, which was left from a bonus I received a fortnight ago, for a bowl of soup? How could I get a piece of wire to replace the fragment which served as one of my shoelaces? Would I get to our worksite in time to join my usual working party, or would I have to join another which might have a brutal foreman? What could I do to get on good terms with the capo, who could help me to obtain work in camp instead of undertaking this horribly long daily march? I became disgusted with the state of affairs which compelled me daily and hourly to think of only such trivial things. 
I want to pause here for just a minute because I had a woman ask me recently, she said, you know, sometimes I hear this phrase in MDM circles, some women talk about being lost in motherhood or feeling lost in motherhood. What exactly does that mean? And I think this is the kind of thing that it means. It means a lot of things. It means different things to different women. Maybe it means that they aren't sure what their talents and gifts are. Maybe it means that they don't feel that those in their home make them a priority and support them in their goals. Maybe it means, like in Frankel's case, that their minds have become so wrapped up in the daily state of affairs in the diapers and the cooking and the cleaning, maybe even in the side work that they do part-time or full-time to help provide for the family, that they don't think of the future, that they don't have plans, that they're lost in the middle of all of these trivial thoughts. And although they these questions have to be answered, I mean, he'll make a decision about whether or not he's gonna trade his sausage or his cigarettes and how he can get on good terms with the capo. It isn't that you don't wanna think about those things, But when you get lost in them, you really can lose yourself. And that's, you know, I talk about in my book, The Mission Driven Life, that that was a little bit of what was happening to me. Having three kids in pretty quick succession, I felt pretty brain dead, meaning I really didn't feel like I had been thinking very important thoughts or doing um, things outside of the trivial and the mundane and the daily tasks. And those are obviously nurturing and critical for my children. But I also needed for me and for my family to think outside of that in addition. And so that's kind of where he's at. And I do feel like on a, on a micro level, I mean, we are not in concentration camps, but on a micro level, we get to feeling that way. And um, it's, it's troubling, it's painful, it feels mundane, and it, and it drags us down. So here was his solution. I forced my thoughts to turn to another subject. So here he goes learning to really control his mind and force it to envision a future. Suddenly I saw myself standing on the platform of a well-lit, warm and pleasant lecture room. In front of me sat an attentive audience on comfortable upholstered seats. I was giving a lecture on the psychology of the concentration camp. All that oppressed me at that moment became objective. And I think that's so important to recognize that the moment he pulled himself out of those mundane, unimportant, trivial thoughts, and he envisioned a future objective, a future goal, rather than being caught up and how painful his current circumstances were, he saw them with completely different eyes. He moved from being totally problem-centered, which I've talked about in past videos and podcasts, which we talk about in the academy. He went from being problem-centered to being solution-centered. And now, as he builds this future, as he envisions where he wants to go, as he becomes intentional, he sees the the current circumstances that he's in, he sees today with, ho- with, with brand new eyes. He looks at it differently. He thinks about it differently. He analyzes it differently. And it becomes this objective experience where he can now learn from it. He can now grow within it and grow out of it. It reminds me of, I love the story of James Allen because 
His father came to America to try to help the family immigrate, and within a few days he was mugged and murdered. And so Alan was left the oldest of a, of a good-sized family at age like 15, 16, 17, he was to provide for this family. So he worked in factories, I think for 12 to 14 hours a day, like six days a week. But through the power of his thoughts, he spent all of his spare time studying Shakespeare and other great works, memorizing verses, lines from Shakespeare and, and other great writings. And he mulled over them. He, he, he changed who he was in the now and his factory experiences turned into this completely other experience where now he's observing objectively what, you know, human nature, how people are responding, what the, what, what solutions there might be to the problems that they're facing, how he could help them to rise above. And so he literally, through the power of his thoughts, through the envisioning and through the self-education that he gave himself, he rose above the circumstances of the factory until he was able to find new, better work clerking. He became a really powerful writer because of of the education that he'd given himself and the practice that he had in those years in clerking and, and, and just rose and rose and rose, raised himself above his circumstances and let those circumstances become objective and a place of learning. He let his current environment, which could have been just incredibly painful if he remained a victim and focused on his problems, suddenly was a perfect training ground for where he wanted to go. And he was able to pull himself out of that entirely until, you know, he found a wonderful woman to marry. And I think by his thirties was living on beautiful land out in the country and writing full time. And of course his books are still very popular today and still continue to disseminate truths that people can learn. And he had this incredible positive impact on, on, you know, millions and millions of people as did Viktor Frankl. And it began with this you know, they're in these um, incredibly painful, confining circumstances, you know, uh, uh, as mothers, as parents, I think sometimes we can feel like, man, I've, I've got to get up and go to this job, or I'm homeschooling all these kids, or, you know, we're stuck in this COVID space, and we can feel confined, we can feel trapped, a little bit like this concentration camp, or a little bit like working in a, in a factory all day long. And, we don't have to stay there mentally. We don't have to continue to feel confined and trapped. We can rise above it. And if we begin to rise above it mentally, we can rise above it physically. And we can make more and more of ourselves and our families by doing this practice. I'll, you know, all through the years, I, I have so many memories of listening to books or envisioning things while doing the laundry, while making the dinner, while changing the diapers, while nursing the baby. There are so many things that we do as mothers that keep our minds free and we choose what we're going to put in them and we choose how much we're going to train them and we choose how focused we're going to be and how mentally tough we're going to be. I want to pause. I'm going to finish this Frankel story out, but earlier in the book, he says this, in spite of all the enforced physical and mental primitiveness of the life in a concentration camp, it was possible for spiritual life to deepen. Sensitive people who were used to a rich intellectual life may have suffered much pain. They were often of a delicate constitution, but the damage to their inner selves was less. They were able to retreat from the terrible surroundings of a life 
to a life of inner riches and spiritual freedom. And that is, you know, the all these examples are showing us that in the circumstances in which we are, if it's a troubled marriage or rebellious children or struggling with finances or a new floundering business or um, some kind of setback, physical, you know, health issues, personal personal setbacks, a low self-image, those things have to be overcome by us and us alone. Only we can, like he says, force our thoughts to turn to another subject. Only we can change the way that we think and by doing so, rise above our current circumstances and learn from the circumstances that we're surrounded by. Learn to be better at the things that we're doing now. Learn from the people that are around us. Learn how to conquer the problems that we face and to be really, really solution focused rather than problem focused and see these things in an objective manner. One of the things that I was doing some research on some different things, you know, I was thinking about getting ready and we're going to record these presentations probably in the next week for the event this fall. And so a lot of it's really on my mind. And I was thinking about how even when people receive a quick and easy solution to their problem, whether they go in for some kind of massive, um, you know, surgery to help them with their weight loss or whether they win the lottery or like this huge percentage, I think it's almost 80% of professional athletes wind up in bankruptcy, 70% of lottery winners, winners wind up in bankruptcy in a few years, even when it seems like you've been lucky and the problem has been solved for you, you will not be able to maintain it. You have to grow into the kind of person that can receive blessings that you desire. The kind of person that can, um, have positive influence in your home that can add positive energy when you come into the room rather than sucking and and the energy out of out of the room believe me i've done both i i am you know what i hope is happening in my life is that i am becoming more and more self-aware of even the subtle ways that i say the wrong thing and i handle the situation badly and i mope or i'm negative or i look at the negative in myself or in my children instead of seeing all the positive things and focusing on them. I mean, there's always progress that can be made for sure. But ultimately, having a vision, this, you know, where he talked about man can only live by looking to the future. Mankind, womankind, all the people can only live by looking to the future. And sometimes we have to force our minds to the task. That's Frankel. And we hope through this event to make this process easier for you. We are gonna go through a vision walk and you're going to be in the presence of God and, and, and learn from him and be inspired by him, you know, mentally, emotionally, invite him to the conversation in this vision walk. and. It's been months with several people orchestrating this vision walk. I'm very excited about it. And we hope that it will be a place of inspiration for you and that you can do it once and maybe revisit it and then discuss it. And from it, draw clarity about the next step for you in your life. And with that clarity of a vision to move forward to 
uh, to move toward. We will determine two outcomes that you'll draw out of that. We'll give you tools to do that, and then you will learn about the envisioning process and how to make that effective and quick and pretty simple for you. And then you'll turn, uh, you'll turn to all the obstacles and perceived obstacles that you really feel like you're gonna face. And I have this really cool exercise that I happened upon that is gonna really help you hone right in on those obstacles. And then we're gonna dive into true statements and have those true statements and some behaviors battle, do battle with those obstacles and put them in the right frame of reference. And you're going to arm yourself with those. And then we're going to turn to the practical aspects. You're going to have six specific actions that you pull out of all of these activities and discussions. And again, we're going to do the activities and then go discuss them in larger groups that are mentored and smaller pods, even one-on-one in some instances. And then you're going to work on daily rituals that are intentional behaviors moving you toward an objective and a goal, a vision. And with that in hand, you'll know exactly what you need to to do. Every day you'll get up in the morning and you'll just know what you need to do, just six things um, in the day or in the week. And it's, it's gonna be so, so helpful to just take you by the hand and walk you through and give you the give you the community that you need and the mentoring that you need and the tools that you need to be able to do this so much better. Um, There's so much information out there. It can be confusing. I've funneled through, I don't know, over the year, hundred years, hundreds of books now in the preparation, dozens of books, and I've been given some by board members and we've talked about things. And anyway, I just, if, if you are You know, if you've got a vision, a righteous desire that you're struggling to accomplish, if you're feeling stuck or uninspired, if you're unsure what comes next for you in your life right now and you don't know how to move forward, or if you want to live more intentionally, if you want to learn these principles of vision and infuse them into your life, then, and really transform what you get up in the morning and do, then then you really really should consider seriously consider joining us. It's so inexpensive um, to do that. And, you know, the, the, the early bird sale is over, but it's still so incredibly inexpensive. So again, these principles, and I'm going to share some concrete personal stories where I have utilized these principles of vision and they have really transformed my life. And especially in building uh, the Mission Driven Mom and with the Mission Driven Life book, but but so many years earlier when financial pursuits uh, with our family partnering with my husband and overcoming challenges with my children, um, struggling with a really difficult move. So whatever those challenges are that you're facing, I promise you that these principles of vision can really come to your come to your aid and show you what you need to do. Um, so let me finish this Frankel story. And then I've got a couple principles I wanna share with you and we'll finish out with another example of the power of envisioning. So here he is giving a lecture on the psychology of the concentration camp. Now, he says, all that oppressed me at that moment became objective, seen and described from the remote viewpoint of science. So again, mentally, he transcends his experiences. He looks at them from an objective point of view 
and his problems, many of his problems fall away. By this method, I succeeded somehow in rising above the situation, which is what we've been talking about for the last few minutes, as if they were already of the past. Both I and my troubles became the subject of an interesting psychoscientific study undertaken by myself. And he ends by saying, suffering ceases to be suffering as soon as we form a clear and precise picture of it. Why am I here in these circumstances that I don't like? How did my thinking or my lack of thinking, how did my lack of vision get me here? And how can applying these new principles transform my life in new ways? Those are really empowering questions that we can begin asking ourselves. I have mentioned this in past podcasts. I'll say it again. Moms, these principles are being used by the most powerful business executives, by our politicians and, and um, governmental leaders. All the Olympians say that they use the power of vision and envisioning to accomplish what they accomplish. I have some cool stories I'm gonna share with you at the event about that as well. We need to be using them. Raising the next generation is the most noble task we could pursue. And let's do it the best we can. Let's not say we're just moms. Let's be stellar moms. Let's embrace every truth that we can find. Let's find ways to be our best selves. But most importantly, let's move intentionally toward a predetermined goal and objective and future that has been given to us, inspired in our, placed in our hearts by God that we know he approves of, that he knows, we know he wants us to pursue, that he's partnering with us to accomplish. What better example could we set? How better to keep ourselves in a positive frame of reference and to lead out in our homes and to bring our families with us on this exciting mission journey? How better to be a truly mission-driven mom and woman and mother and to raise a mission-driven family? A couple principles, um, I think we've got about 10 principles of vision that we're going to cover. One of the things I uncovered that was really fascinating about vision is that um, scripturally, vision always is always connected with God. So anytime anyone has a vision or talks about vision, they're always talking about God interacting in their lives. So vision is definitely something that, that we need to receive from God and that we need to partner with God to accomplish. Also interesting that I discovered is the word to see. The root word is strain, stretch, or extend. Extend to, to reach, to strike with, to perceive, to observe, to discover. So we want to extend, stretch, strain ourselves, see more, expand our vision, become more, right? One of my favorite definitions of vision that I found was this. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion and a really fascinating discovery around the process of envisioning is how it fuels the desire 
that we desperately need in order to engage in the behaviors to accomplish the vision. So that's something I'll talk about more in depth at the event, but so, so powerful. A couple of the first principles of vision that we'll that we'll talk about at the in the morning of the event is the first principle is creating a meaningful life begins with clarifying a vision. This is what Frankel's just told us. This is evidenced in the lives of the greats. This is what we learned. Um, if we're gonna, if we're going to accomplish something important, something outside of our current comfort zone, something that might seem a little unachievable at the moment, we've got to stretch. We've got to be more, see more, do more. And the way to do that is to lose ourselves in a cause greater than ourselves um, by having the vision. So we, we will have more meaningful lives, deeper meaning in our lives when we clarify a vision. Another principle we'll talk about is as you partner with God, he will always give you the next vision on your mission path. Now, I'm sure there are some instances where God has given a bigger, kind of more lifelong vision, but my experience has been with people that I've talked to that are striving to be on the mission path is they know maybe the next three to five years. They have a pretty clear picture of what they're working on next. Um, I had a unique experience, which I'll share with you at the event, about seeing something further ahead, and that has that changed everything for me. And so sometimes God will give us give us that, but really he always is giving us just what we need. In fact, I want to read you something. I'm going to finish off with um, Immaculate Illibagiza. This is an unbelievable book that we do use in the academy. Um, she was talking about this exact thing, and I'm going to read you this section and then finish off with something that she says about envisioning. She's... Um, in a tiny, tiny bathroom, and I can't remember if there were six women total or seven women, and she was with six women. They're being hidden by a pastor during the Rwandan, um, gen uh, the Rwandan, gen well, she calls it the Holocaust. It was, it was genocide because they were, the Rwandans were killing each other. And so she's, She's been hidden, and she, they're raiding the house. She can hear them, and, and, and at some points they call out her name. They know she's probably there. They can't find her, and she goes through this incredible process of rising above her circumstances, which are just a living hell, through the power of thoughts and prayer. And she discovers and develops this incredibly rich relationship with God in her confinement. I was just reviewing The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom spent, I think it was maybe three to four months in solitary confinement when she was first imprisoned, and she had the same kind of experience. She had to learn to control her thoughts. She said thoughts mm -hmm. were very dangerous, and she happened, she was blessed with a Bible. Immaculate was blessed with a Bible. In both instances, they... Um, studied it like mad, and it built this incredible spiritual and emotional strength and vibrancy. And it, it's fascinating because Immaculate saw the other women in the bathroom decline emotionally and spiritually. They thought what she was doing was kind of insane, 
And it's fascinating to me because she left that bathroom a completely changed woman and she was a leader wherever she went after that, afterward. Because she built herself in the biggest crisis of her life, she used it objectively to look at, to look at it objectively like these other uh, men and women had and, and to use it to transform her character and to deeply root you know, God and truth into her heart. And so it's fascinating that they were experiencing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. And she made this different choice that made all the difference for the future of her life. And she's gone on to affect millions of lives and bless so many people, as did Corey Tenboom. And they used these crises to transform themselves. I've been reading um, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And I guess I didn't realize he was a pastor. Um, and I think we're going to use some selections from it in the two months of mentoring after the event. It's phenomenal. But one of the messages in that book, it's been really fascinating, is he talks often about saturating the mind in the Bible. Just saturate yourself with it. And it just transforms people's thinking. It's just, you know, in it, it, it's, it's, got, it's got so much truth. You just saturate your mind in this truth and you just become a different person. And envisioning is such a big part of that because you see yourself, you project yourself like Viktor Frankl did in the future and you see everything in your, in your present now takes on a completely different frame of reference because it's part of something bigger that everyone's working toward. And, and in order to get from where you are saturated in these problems and difficulties you currently face, you, you, all of a sudden the future is full of problems solved. The future is full of more truth and, 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 and overcoming. And there's this newfound power that, that, that you find a lot of that power comes from God, of course. So anyway, that being the case, that being said, it's so incredible and, you know, humbling, <laughs> to be honest, to read about these people who had no reason to turn to God and truth in this way and to control their minds like they did and, and, and the power that they build it's just unbelievable. They just changed the world. And there is no reason you and I can't do that right now. What's stopping us? Honestly. So let's just be mothers of vision. Last year we dove deep and we became better mothers of discernment. I'll never forget one of the testimonials that came out of that event. Um, she talked about how she realized from that event that she was always trying to do things and get things done. But what she really needed to do was learn to think differently, to think in a more principle-centered way, to ground herself more, to tell herself more truth, to think through things and, dis and discern before she acted, to pull back from situations and look at them more clearly and objectively, and then to make better decisions. And, and so that's what we worked on last year. And if you want those recordings, they're really inexpensive and available um, actually at the bottom of the celebration page. But that being said, that's so powerful because it's so, so true. And so we're going to take that to the next level this year and really work on being mothers of vision, which begins with that internal vision that we 
force ourselves to turn to all throughout the day. And we're going to show you how to do that. So back to Immaculate, she says she's in the bathroom. She has no idea what's going to happen to her. She has every reason to believe that she's going to be found and killed in probably a very painful and awful way. Uh, she knows probably that most or all of her family is dead and most of the people that she loves. She has no idea what the future is going to bring, but she's been paying this price in prayer and scripture reading and in envisioning. And she starts to think about her future, to believe that she could have a future, drawing, drawing strength and power from that. So uh, she's really, really sick at this moment. She said, all I could do was pray, so that's what I did. When the pain and fever became too much to bear, I asked God to lay his healing hands on me while I slept. Both times I awoke refreshed and well without fever or pain. I'd been cured by the power of his love. No, illness wasn't going to take me. I was certain that God had a greater purpose for me. I'm telling you, moms, he has a great purpose for you and for your family. I was certain that God had a greater purpose for me, and I prayed every day for him to reveal it to me. And I'm just going to interject here. If you're coming to the event, please start praying, especially the few weeks prior that you will receive the insights that you need at this event that can help you move forward and that you will receive the clarity to know what you need to work on next. And I promise God will answer you. I prayed every day for him to reveal it to me. At first, I was expecting him to show me my entire future all at once, maybe with a flash of lightning and a clap of thunder thrown in for good measure. But I came to learn that God never shows us something we aren't ready to understand. Instead, he lets us see what we need to see when we need to see it. He'll wait until our eyes and hearts are open to him. And then when we're ready, he will plant our feet on the path that's best for us. But it's us to, uh, up to us to do the walking. So that's what we hope to accomplish is to see that next step. That's what the second principle of vision teaches us, that he will always show us the next step. Of course he wants to use you. Of course he wants you to do great things. Of course he implanted gifts and talents in you. Of course you have a unique calling. And he wants to show you the next step. You just have to ask. I'm, and and, and get, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you absolutely have to come to this event in order to be a mission-driven mom and to be on the mission path and to receive revelation. Of course you don't. If it's not right for you or you don't feel like coming, please don't. But please, no matter what, strive to have greater vision and strive to be more intentional and strive to use those principles in your, in your life and in your home. All right, one last little section from Immaculate. This is so phenomenal. Um, okay, so she's writing this letter to someone. She's, she's imagining her new life. So, okay, let me go back. She knows that God will answer her. And so she suddenly, she's thinking about the future and she's just, she's just thinking it through and she's pondering what would probably happen. And she's just using her reason to discern and to think it through. And she realizes she says, God turned on a light in my brain. It was like a cannon going off. At that moment, I was absolutely convinced that the RPF would win the war. This meant that I would meet English-speaking people after the genocide and would have to tell them what had happened to us. I also had a premonition that I'd be working at the United Nations where practically everybody spoke English. I suddenly knew with crystal clarity that I would spend the rest of my time in the bathroom learning the English language. I felt as if God had handed me the winning numbers to a lo big lottery. All I had to do was make sure that I was ready when the numbers were drawn. I had to prepare to meet my destiny. So that's kind of what we're doing in the morning 
Um, this is a good example of getting clarity around a vision. She's going to be let out. They're going to win. She's going to work at the United Nations. And so that informs these two outcomes that you're going to focus on. You have a vision, and we'll help you sculpt that and learn how to envision it. And then you turn it into outcomes. And then obstacles, true statements, rituals. So, so cool. So um, she wrote a letter to an imaginary hero who rescued her. In my mind, I painted my rescuer as kind and caring because that was the kind of person whom I wanted to rescue us. Someone had once told me that it was important to visualize what you want to happen in the future because doing so could actually help it make, help make it come true. Well, thanks to God, I'd become a big believer in that philosophy. God had planted a seed in my mind. He told me to learn English, and that practice was showing me that a rich and exciting life was waiting for me on the other side of the genocide. I knew that whatever I envisioned would come to pass if I had faith and visualized it with a pure heart and good intentions, and if it were something God thought was right for me. It was then that I realized I could dream and visualize my destiny. I vowed that I would always dare to dream for what I wanted, and I would only dream for beautiful things like love, health, and peace, because that is the kind of beauty God wants for all his children. So on that note, I hope you feel a little more fire under you to get more serious about these principles. To be a mother who embraces principles of vision and understands why they matter and trains her mind, forces her mind to think on a better future and then take the steps to get herself there. And this will literally change you, change your family, and it potentially could really change the world. So keep that in mind. If you want to join us, we'd love, love, love to have you September 12th or 26th for a whole day event, learning these, honing a, an action plan that you'll take home with you. We'll give you these principles of vision. We'll send you, mail you uh, your own journal, branded journal with a logo for this year's event on it that you can write in and keep all your notes in for the day and continue to work on an action plan that you can fill in for yourself and post in your home and the principles that you can keep in, in, in mind. We'll get those mailed out a few weeks before the event to get you ready to join us if that's what you'd like to do. We'd love to see you there. Otherwise, moms, remember, you have far more power than you think you have especially to transform yourself. And God would love nothing better than for you to take that seriously and really become you, become the best you, because the world needs you. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you don't have your free copy of my book, The Mission Driven Life, in audio format, please go to themissiondrivenmom.com and opt in for that. It will go away pretty quick by August, I think. So make sure and do that. Uh, there'll be a different opt-in there for you that I hope you and others can take advantage of. In the meantime, the audiobook is still available. If you have not joined our Facebook group at the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group, please join us. We'd love to get to know you there. And if this podcast has been helpful to you or someone that you know or love can benefit from our programs, from our podcasts, or even this event coming up in September, 
please forward this on to them. Please write a review. Please comment and share. That's the best gift you could give us in return. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time.